Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. No matter what they were thrown into or what they had to overcome, they always hung on to that thread of hope and was able to turn their lives around in whatever situation. They didn't give up no matter what. Many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances, such as extreme poverty, and then they have become successful multimillionaires from one extreme to the other. Some have overcome abuse of many different types and now are able to take what they experienced and use it to help others, maybe in coaching or in uh, writing in many different areas. Some have overcome serious depression or disease and they're now living free from fear and from pain and are able to share that story. Some of my guests have lived through wars, literally, in many parts of the world, and they have an incredible story of survival. So whatever they have overcome, they are willing to share that story, and that is what makes up this show. And we are now in 140 countries, which shows me that no matter where we are in the world, whatever corner of this globe, there are people who need not only the message of hope, but may be going through circumstances that they need encouragement and a boost and that's what my guests do and I am so thankful they are all so special they're all fighters they're all winners and they want to share their stories so that they can give us tips and insights on how we can overcome any type of trauma that we may be going through or have gone through and not only to survive but to thrive And that's, I believe, one of the threads that runs through all the shows is that not only are they just surviving after they have overcome these traumas, but they are thriving, and that, too, is their passion for helping others. So I am so thankful to each one of my guests who have shared, and also to my listeners, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. And I thank you for your feedback, for your comments, for your reviews. It really, really touches all of us, all the guests, and all of us here at Never Ever Give Up Hope. So thank you again for making this show a success. With me today, I have Madura Joshi. She is a passionate coach, speaker, and author who has made it her mission to help people identify 
Now, this is crucial. Identify their natural talents. I think a lot of people don't know what they are. And this is, this is one of the things that she's going to share with us today. Also, how to ignite their inner potential and to start living the life that they were destined for. So thank you so much. And let's give a warm welcome to Madura. Thank you, Carol. I'm so excited to be on the show today and um, to reach out to all your listeners I am so blessed to be here very much. What I have discovered is that most people who are passionate in both coaching or helping others succeed have been at a place in their own lives where they overcome major obstacles. Now, Madura, you have had more than one hurdle, which included severe depression, a devastating prognosis from your doctor, no one ever wants to go there, and also dealing with abuse as a young girl. Can you share that journey with us and the different things you went through at those different stages in your life? Yes, Carol, I'd be happy to. So let's begin um, with the abuse as a child. So I was four when the abuse happened. It um, it was uh, it was through my babysitter's cousin, and I normally rarely went to a babysitter. It was a very rare occasion that um, my mother was a stay-at-home mom. She was taking classes um, at the university in uh, Montreal. We, it was very rare, but she had gotten the okay from family friends that these people were, were good to leave, leave me with them because their son had been going there. I ended up being taken care of by them at that point, and unfortunately circumstances had it that there was a predator in the home oh and, my goodness yeah and they pretty much like there was another child in the home as well when I remember taking having to change that child's diaper and I was four so they really weren't taking care of the children that they were supposedly supposed to take care of and unfortunately the abuse happened at that time um, how did your mother respond did she find out she didn't find out till I was 12 because I kept it a secret. I, I kept silent with it for years because I felt, of course, I'm pretty sure he had mentioned to me not to tell anybody. It was our little secret mm-hmm, deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kept quiet. I, I had nightmares for years, even after I came out um, and at the age of 12 is when Sheldon Kennedy was the individual who started talking about sexual abuse on TV, and that gave me the courage to speak about it. Yeah, and, and I was actually able to meet him at an event here in Calgary uh, for um, mental health, and I thanked him for coming out at that point because it gave me the courage to open up about it and tell my parents. Unfortunately, at this point, that person had disappeared. The family had moved away. We didn't have any way of contacting mm-hmm. them, finding them. That was that was the the devastating thing that happened to me at the age of four, and it then later on pushed me into a severe depression, uh, depression where I started to cut my wrists. I started slitting or cutting, so to speak. It wasn't I, there was no. I didn't really, a part of me wanted to die. A part of me wanted to say, okay, I'm done. I'm so tired of this pain. But I started cutting and I hit it very well from everyone until finally um, 
someone at school saw my wrist and took me to a counselor. And I swore I'd never do it again because I was so scared that what my parents would think if they right. saw that. And then as I progressed into graduated out of high school, went into college, um, and then my depression kicked up a notch even further. I was writing a lot of dark, deep, dark poetry, um, very dark stuff that even now when I look back, I, I read it and I'm, it, it's scary to think that my mind was such an, in such a dark place at that point. Finally, I got my parents realized something was really wrong because I would never, I wouldn't, I would constantly, if, if I was home, I was sleeping. I barely ate. However, I, I masked it on the outside because I was involved with so many other extracurricular activities. But at night was when it was really bad. So they finally realized something was up. They took me to the doctor. I got a psych evaluation at the near hospital, at the hospital in city and was diagnosed with uh, depression, was put on medication. I, at this point, I'd finished college because here I went to two years of college here and then I, I transferred to a university close by um, the University of Lethbridge, which is two hours south of Calgary. And at this point, I decided I don't want to be on antidepressants anymore. Like I'd been on it to even me out and it was a blessing. I'm so glad that um, I was given that opportunity or someone saw God was looking down from above, of course, and saying, hey, okay, it's time to get you some help. I had enough help at that point and realized, okay, I was in an even, I wasn't going too high or going too low, but um, I was I was even with my emotions so that I was able to see, okay, now I was ready to move on with my life without the help of medication. I was, I was at a point where I was tired of medications really ruling my life and my emotions and it was the medications that were keeping me happy. And I guess I said, you know what, I'm tired of this. So I finally decided to go cold turkey. I don't suggest that to anybody on, on antidepressants. It's not the smartest thing to do. But I decided to, to go cold turkey. And it worked for me. Luckily, there was no big backlash on that. I managed to go through university. I did have some bumps along the way in university. I had some anxiety issues. I ended up actually getting kicked out of my program at the university and had to work way, work my way back into the program. And I graduated. Uh, that was definitely a challenge, but I knew that there was no way <laughs> in hell that I would um, not graduate from university and I got my degree and then um, got a job before I graduated and that is when I had an accident at work. Going back to when you were very young and you were self-mutilating, do you directly connect that with the abuse that you had and or did you connect it with the fact that you were suppressing that? I think it was a bit of both. I think there was just a lot of internal pain that came along with what had happened as a child. And it was the only way that I felt that I could get it out. Like I okay. could feel some, something on the outside because it was so overwhelming when I was going through it that there was times where I would sneak into my parents' um, liquor cabinet 
to have a shot of vodka to see if this would numb the pain because it was just so overbearing. And I think it definitely did have to do with what happened as a child. I think there was a lot of guilt associated with it. Um, there was a lot of shame associated with it. And I think also the fact that uh, the mutilation, the self-mutilation was a way of controlling a situation that I had control yes, was yes. going on. I can which, that. yeah, which I think was a huge thing because having that control taking, taken away from you as, as a child, you feel lost. And I think a lot of the times that has been something that I, I struggled with along the way of not feeling in control. And that was one way that I could control it as horrible as that was that was a way that I could do it. So I definitely think that it was something that um, that was in correlation with what happened as a child, for sure. Now, when you are in your coaching sessions, do you often try to gain insight from people who may have gone through something similar and, and stem, you know, from that to where you go in the coaching session? Well, it depends on who I'm working with as a client, uh, who my clients are at that point. But I usually allow my clients to kind of guide where they want the session to go. So how I work with my clients is really not to necessarily stick into the the negative aspects of certain situations. Okay. And because coaching is, is different than counseling. Yes, yes. So if there's... There's a there's a difference there. So usually when I'm when I'm working with my clients, I'm getting them to more of a positive state of mind. So so bringing them back to a point where they were in a positive state. Let's say if they have gone through a situation like this, I would then bring them back to, okay, tell me, remember a time. Let's go back to a time where you were happy and you were you were full of life, what did that feel like? Describe that for me. So that we bring it back to a time where they're feeling happy and then we can kind of get them back into that place so that even if they've gone through a situation like this, we're not keeping them there. We're, We're moving them out of that so that they can start to see more positivity in their life. So there, there were many steps to your healing process, and one of them was taking that first step of getting off the medication. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, well, actually, the first step to healing was getting on the medication. Okay. And the reason I say this is because I was in such a low place that I didn't see clearly. I was very, I, there was a lot of anger towards God, there was a lot of anger towards myself, there was a lot of anger towards the outside world, I I questioned why me for a long time, and um, I think by by giving me the medication, it allowed my emotions to even out, Okay. so that I could then start going within myself and and start journaling, I found journaling to be very healing at that point, Mm. and started to, to kind of dig myself out of that hole that I had pardon me, that I had gone so far into. It was this, and there was a lot of negativity in my head. So by providing me with the medication, it it really helped me even out my, my emotions so that I could see the bigger picture. And once I was at a place where I could start to enjoy life again, then I was able to say, okay, I'm at a place now that I don't need this medication. And then that was the next step to my healing. 
Now we're up to your accident. And at what point were you emotionally at this time? Emotionally at this time, I was actually pretty strong. Um, there was still, it was still up and down. I was still going through some amount of counseling at this point. Um, there was a lot of emotional uh, stuff that was still coming up, uh, but it wasn't to the same degree. And I think when people battle depression, it's an ongoing battle for, for a long time. And once you get to a point where you actually realize what it's about and you really dig down deep, there is a time and place where you can say that you have, you have overcome, you have won the fight. So I wasn't quite there. I hadn't won the fight just yet at that point. Um, but I was, I was in a good place. I was in a good place. I graduated. I had found a great job or so I thought it was a great job at that point. I, emotionally, I was, I was in a better state of mind for sure. And what had happened is I got this job and I was seven months into the job, I believe. Six months into the job. I slipped on ice. Oh and, my goodness. Oh. Yeah, I slipped on ice and I thought I sprained my ankle. And I had sprained my ankle many times. I think this was the seventh or eighth time that I'd sprained my ankle because I had played sports most of my life. And I played soccer, competitive soccer. Okay. And so it's, ankle injuries were very predominant at that point with me and very common. So I then thought, oh, it's just an ankle sprain, no big deal. Went to the doctor. Um, they said, yeah. So they took me off work for about a week I can I could barely walk my foot was the size of a, a football mm. and one week turned into two two weeks turned into three and the pain wasn't going and neither was the swelling or my foot looked different colors and no one could figure out what was going on really and uh, of course working with WCB workers compensation um, is a, is very challenging because of course they they don't want you to they don't want to have to pay you any more than necessary. They actually at one point had me followed to see if I was lying. This was a work related injury. I was on the job and I was coming back to um, my vehicle at the time, and I slipped flat and my I twisted my ankle and fell back. So it was kind of like a two-way twist I guess I should say okay. I was this was after so they got I got WCB um, and then after that they got me followed telling me that I'm lying and I had letters written to my caseworker saying that it's all in my head which I actually recently found and all these emotions of anger came back because I'm like why would I lie about something like this but um, what had happened is finally um, after six months they couldn't find the right answer. They kept saying I was lying. And so the company let me go. They gave me a severance package. I found a doctor who finally um, was able to diagnose me properly. But unfortunately, because it had been six months by the time they caught what the actual problem was, my body, the nervous system, my nervous system went out of whack and it, it turned out that I was, um, I had a problem called uh, complex regional pain syndrome, which is when the nerves out of your, in my case, it was the nerves out of my left leg that had been completely shot. I, at this point, I was walking, I was using crutches to walk 
And then they put me to a cane, um, saying that if you're going to continue this, you need a cane because otherwise you're going to throw out your hip. So I did that and I was using a cane. And at this point, I was 25. The doctors at this point, when I finally found the specialist that knew what the heck was going on, they told me that I probably would never walk again. Really? Yeah. Never walk again, meaning without a cane or never walk again, period? Without a cane. Okay. And without being in pain. So I was put on heavy pain medication, which then I had to be put on antidepressants to counteract the pain medication because it made me really feel like I was flying high. Okay. So they were, I was on heavy doses of that. So I couldn't work. Did this throw you into a new type of depression? It did. It did. Um, It was definitely, it was definitely a place where it, I went back into a dark place and I was uh, followed by a psychologist at this point and a psychiatrist, I believe. And so they helped walk me through that and they helped me to really overcome and realize, you know what, it's okay if you, if it is the mm-hmm. fact that you're going to be using a cane for the rest of your life, you're still able to function. And of course, I had just graduated from university. I bought my I didn't want to hear at the age of 25, hey, you're going to be stuck with a cane. Yes. Because, of course, walking into an interview at any place, if mm-hmm. you have a cane, most companies, as much as they're not supposed to, most companies look at you differently. And they don't always offer you a job. There's, there's, very, there's lots of companies who do, but there's lots of companies who don't. So I was afraid that, great, I was not going to find another job. I, there was no way. I didn't know what what was going to happen at this point. So yeah, it was it was very depressing. I luckily I had a great support system of friends and family that really helped um, support me and get me through a lot of the hard times. But I think it was really then I really started to go within myself, and I I truly think it was either the universe or God or someone looking out for me from above that um, actually after about six, I would say, yeah. So I got laid off in September from that company and then I started working for a gentleman um, doing marketing for his real estate firm in February. So it was about six months. And at this point I was, I was still using a cane. I was still on medication, but I wasn't on the same type of pain meds. They had reduced it a bit because I was able to uh, handle. I kind of reduced it on my own first. And then the doctors were like, okay, if this is working for you, then continue on that. So it was. It was a very depressing time because I, I really didn't know what was happening and what was going to happen. But you had pulled yourself up once before and that must have been a motivation for you to know that you could do it again yeah I think I dug very deep down inside to realize that you know what I can do this I'm young um I I have a lot of a lot going for me maybe and and having someone give me an opportunity to work for them while still using a cane was definitely a confidence booster because then I realized Mm -hmm. There are opportunities out there. I just have to look for them. And so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to just 
go with the flow and trust that it's all going to work out. And I, I, I went, I still was going through counseling at this point and allowing myself to, to get the help that I needed for my mental health. But it, um, yeah, it definitely helped to know that I've, I've been through worse, so to speak, and I can do anything I put my mind to. And I just dug deep and, and kept saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work where I can and see what happens. And so luckily I um, managed to, I still had a lot of pain, but I managed to find a way not to use my cane anymore. I was on a vacation trip for a wedding that I went to, that the weather was really, really good, and I was going out, and I wanted to drink. And so I didn't take my pain meds on a couple of days and found that it worked really well. But I was also at sea level. Because it was at sea level, it was easier for, for me. And then once I came back, I realized, okay, I still needed my pain meds. But I was able to go pain med free for a bit and just take the bare minimum pain medication that, that I had, the lower lowest dose. And then I realized that I can do this because I was able to do it without it there. So once I came back to Calgary after that vacation, I talked to my, my doctor and I explained to him and said, okay, look. This is what happened, and he was like, well, he was a little cautious, obviously, because most people never get out of this. People are stuck with it for life, and luckily for me, I was able to then downgrade just to the one, one pain medication, and then now, and then move through it, and finally, I was able to get off my cane, and now I'm completely pain-free. Did that come from pure tenacity, do you think, or did you find a way to to build that strength, um, not just emotionally, but also physically? Well, I think there was a couple of things that helped helped it. It actually, I think I became completely pain-free um, after I started getting acupuncture. Okay. And I think that was my saving grace. And of course, working out, um, I got a personal trainer, I got I got physically very fit to help me, and I found different ways. If it was bugging my leg and doing a certain exercise, they'd modify it for me. So, yeah, I, I found different ways to handle the pain and avoid pain meds at all costs unless it was brutal, like I just couldn't handle the pain. Then I would take a small dose, but I tried to minimize how much it was because I hated having medication inside of me. I think that was the one big thing for me mentally is I didn't like knowing that there was pain medication inside of me. So what motivated you to become a coach? Was it strictly based on your past experience and being feeling that you were able to help others as a result? Well, actually, so coaching kind of fell into my lap, so to speak. I, um, I had actually worked for a recruitment uh, firm in oil and gas here in Calgary for four and a half years, and then I got pregnant. And just as I was coming off my preg- my maternity leave, and here in Canada, we get a full year. And just as I was coming off maternity leave, I could see a lot of my, my coworkers getting laid off, and I was hearing about it. So I, I knew it was pretty clear for me that uh, the writing was on the wall, and uh. I would probably get a note saying, okay, you're done. We don't have 
any room for you because the clients that I was working with had really slowed down. And so I started to do some searching of, okay, what, what is my sole purpose? What am, what am I here to do? Because actually, it, when I had become pregnant, I, I realized that there was something more calling to me. I, I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't fit for staying as a recruiter for the rest of my life. I knew I had something bigger. There was a bigger purpose inside of me that I was meant to fulfill. And I just, I didn't quite know what it was at that point. So when I started to hear of my colleagues getting laid off, I realized, okay, you know what? It's time to start doing some soul searching and figuring out what it is that I wanted to do. So I came across a network marketing company that had actually talked about coaching. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a plan. Like, that's that's interesting. And I even thought about even going back to school to become a vet because I, I love animals and I've got three of my own at home. But my son was still very much attached and wouldn't let me leave him for more than an hour with anybody at that point. So that was clear that that was not even an option to go back to school and get the credentials to go back to that school. So I kept searching and this network marketing opportunity came up and I thought, okay, I'm really interested in the coaching because I've always found that people come to me for advice. So I finally said, okay, you know what, let me start to investigate this. <laughs> and so I thought about it and, and dug deep and really started to figure out, okay, is coaching what I really want to do? And I realized that I've always been passionate about helping people. Since I was a kid, mm. I've always wanted to in one form of another. And I thought as a kid, I even wanted to become a doctor because I wanted to help people so much. But this was the best of both worlds. And so I figured, you know what, I have the skills. I've, I've overcome so much that I know that my my passion for this work is really what's going to be able to to push me forward and I'm really going to be able to help lots of people uh, doing this. So I started to investigate more and more um, and then said, okay, you know what, let's let's dive in and the network um, marketing opportunity didn't necessarily work out, but it did open the door for me to jump into coaching. So I got myself a coach, a business coach, and helped me start my business. And since then, I've been working with a lot of um, amazing clients, and I'm now getting my higher certification as a uh, certified professional coach at this point. And so, yeah, so that's really, yeah, my passion to help people is what really got me going, but it wasn't the way that I thought it would all happen. No kidding, but by, it must really feel awesome. The most uh, amazing thing ever. I, it's so fulfilling and um, it makes my heart smile when I'm working with my clients. What is it that you offer online? So I work with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, and it's usually online because my I have a lot of clients that are in the States and uh, not actually in Calgary. Okay. So I um, I had offered, I just finished a online course that I offered quite a few people, but uh, now I've decided to go more on one-on-one, -on -one, um, just doing it online with my clients. I will eventually turn it into a group coaching session, but I find that there's more power me working one-on-one -on -one with my clients. So it's all online. It's either through Skype or Zoom or even via the phone. 
whichever they feel comfortable with. I find via Zoom or Skype, at least we can see each other face to face. So it's more of a comfortable setting, but whatever the client feels is comfortable for them is what we we do. And yeah, I work with them either uh, 12 weeks or one year, depending on what it is that they're looking for. And tell us a little bit about what you offer as far as the type of coaching and, and who would make a good client, like who you would be able to help. I The type of coaching I offer is solution-focused. So what we really do together um, with my, what I do with my clients is I help them really overcome uh, their fears, overcome any blocks that they may have so that they really can tap into that that inner potential that we all have. Each and every one of us has an inner potential that either you've tapped into at this point or you haven't. And you might have tapped into it slightly, but you're, you know that there's more for you. So I'm really looking to work with clients that are soul inspired, that, that know that they want more out of their life. They're, they're tired of the status quo that they're currently sitting in and um, that they're ready to, to really transform their life into what it is that they're looking to achieve. If they, they've got big goals, big dreams, and they really just want, they need that person to kind of help them realize that, those are the clients that I'm looking to work with. What motivated you then to write your book? Well, the motivation actually, it's this book has been in progress for many, 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 many years. And I always said to myself, oh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do it one day. And I actually... Started, I thought, okay, maybe I'll do a book on relationships. And and then I started it and I stopped. And then I actually took a course last December called Surrender to Your Purpose by a dear friend of mine who's actually one of my mentors as well. And uh, she ha- it was a three-day intensive evening course. She was in Calgary. She had moved away from Calgary. And I then realized it all it came it all came together at that point and it all kind of I kind of had a download to say okay these are the chapters I'm going to write about and I had it all put together and I had a session with her early January as a follow up to how things were going and she told me it's going to take you 3 months to write this book and I was like okay yeah I fit and do it and then my coach told me cuz we had mentioned that I want to write this book and mm-hmm. I had all the chapters I started and he told me on a Thursday, okay, by Sunday, I want a rough draft of your book. And I was like, <laughs> what? You've got to be kidding me. I was I was floored. I'm like, there's no way. And he's like, no, you're going to write your book in four days. I was oh. like, okay. So I didn't even tell my husband. I didn't tell a soul. And I just sat down and I started. And then by Saturday, I told him, okay, I've got a few more chapters left. I've started writing my book. And it's going to be done by tomorrow. I have to send him the rough draft. So (laughs) nine chapters later, yeah, it was nine chapters later, Sunday night by midnight, book was done. I didn't even know that it was all in me, but it just, it just, I sat down, I sat, I got, took my laptop out and I just typed it out. out. It was there. It was done. So that was excellent advice and an excellent push from him. Yes. And it was very, for me, I think it was a very healing experience because it was the first time that I had actually spoken about what had happened to me as a child, 
uh, gone into details about what happened to me in university because no one really knew. Right. And what happened to me with the doctors. I even spoke about um, me having endometriosis and the doctors telling me that I probably couldn't get pregnant without um, having surgery. But Mm -hmm. thanks to acupuncture, that changed. So it was really big push from his part, and I'm so grateful to him for that. Well, tell us about your book now. So the book is called Ignite the Magical Powers of Your Inner Genie. And it's it's a book that really helps you to see that you have everything within you. You have those creative powers within you to create the life that you want to live. And I go through each chapter and I give, there's little assignments that go along with it. But we, I go through it and talk about creating your why and figuring out what is really motivating you. Because if we don't have a strong enough why, it is very easy for us to give up. We That's for were sure, yes. Very, it, we give up because it's, it's human nature to say, oh, it's too hard. You know what? Forget it. I'll go back to work or um, whatever it may be. So if you don't have a strong enough why, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to defeat your purpose of really moving forward with your whatever goals or dreams that you have. And then we talk. I talk more about how to overcome your fears, how to um, really break through those obstacles, and realize that no matter what comes in your way, you can come out on the other side stronger than ever, stronger than you knew that you even could be. And it's a very. It's a. It's not a big book. It's about seventy-eight pages, I believe, if I remember correctly, and. Um, it's a guide that really helps you to transform your life in a way that you start to realize that you have whatever you need within inside of you. And that's also what I do with my clients is I help them realize that yes. you have it all. You don't, you don't need someone outside of you to create that life for you. You have what it is inside of you and you are stronger than you think. Tapping your inner potential, it must give you great joy when you're able to have someone realize their inner potential to pull it out of them to be able to guide them and I'm sure you see part of yourself in that as well and what your struggles were what you went through what you had to endure so that you could come out on the other side and to see that um, your clients are doing the same thing so that must that must bring you great joy and of course your clients are going to be very pleased about that it does give me immense joy i think this is probably the most fulfilling career choice so to speak that i could this is for me um it's not for everyone but for me as a coach is is truly to know that i am helping people tap into that inner potential helping them realize what they can achieve in life and and that they can have it all that goes um and i i definitely want to even help children in need and and so i'm hoping that through my coaching um i i donate proceeds of my coaching to charities because i feel that that's the best way to give back at this point i can't just up and leave to go travel the world and help as much as i'd love right, to right. but um that's how i find i've, I've found a couple of um, very great charities that are dear to my heart um there's one that's a sex trafficking to help uh, women come out of who have come out of the sex trafficking mm. ring 
So I donate to that, and then um, I've donated to um, animal shelters and helping get clean water to different parts of the world. So that's my way to give back. But, uh, yeah, I don't know at this point what if I will go back to be a vet, but I'll find different ways to help the animals. That's right. You were a little girl, four years old, who was sexually abused, and it could have changed your life and it could have gone in a very different direction. And even with the other hurdles that you had to overcome, you took each one of those, you worked through them, you became strong as a result, and now you are able to help others who are going through the same thing. And that is such a beautiful story. And that is exactly what Never Ever Give Up Hope is about. It's people who could have been in a hopeless situation where they didn't see any way out, but It's because of what happened to you that you are who you are. And this is what each of my guests always share, that if those things hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I'm sure you agree with that, correct? Completely agree. If I hadn't gone through each one of those things in my life, and I'm sure more things will happen, and I will overcome them as I've overcome in the past, but I truly believe that those Things were meant to happen so that I can now serve the people that I'm serving today and um, through my book, uh, through workshops, through speaking engagements, whatever it may be, and even on this on this podcast. And I think that it is all of those that have made me who I am today and I'm as horrible as they may have been, I'm truly blessed for that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your contact information, a little bit about your story, your interview, everything will be in your show notes so that you can you can share that and people can connect with you and they can uh, look up your coaching um, offers that you have online, also your book. Uh, I believe it's on Amazon, correct? It is on Amazon, okay. yeah, both All the right. Kindle version and the paperback. Okay, so that'll be available there as well. And I know that you touched hearts just as you touched mine today with your story, with your passion in particular, and what you are doing with your life. With your life. So I thank you so much for, for joining us today, and we look forward to hearing more about what you're going to be doing in the future. Thank you so much, Carol. It's been an honor to be on your show. And I I do hope that I've touched many hearts. And I hope that this gives people hope to know that they can and things do get better. You just have to have hope and faith that it will all work out. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.